Like, legit, it sounds like a cult. Let's compare everything we know about the all-in program to the BITE model by Stephen Hassan for figuring out what is a cult. Behavior control. Literally the entire program is controlling your behavior. Information control. They make you sign an NDA so information about the program can't leak. The only information that's being shared is stuff that's already been taught within the program. It's this bubble of knowledge and you can't seek anything outside of that and you report on everything you do to your accountability coach. Thought control, changing people's identity to fit this all-in program lifestyle. Emotional control, if you disobey even one thing, you slip one time, you are immediately exiled from the program. So the stakes are high. <laughs> and you feel that intensity and pressure 24 seven. In my opinion, it literally fits like to a T the bite model for cults. According to Jesse Hoffman, PhD, the diet program may also be extremely unsafe. In a tweet, Jesse said, how about let's not take diet advice from Real Housewives? Diet culture has become so intrusive in our society that we feel emboldened enough to place judgment on others publicly. Um, people feel entitled to stare at others who they may deem to be fat or obese, who are eating in public with looks of disgust or even pity. And those folks see you seeing them and it has an effect. People even feel bold enough to sometimes speak to larger folks who they do not know about their weight and offer unsolicited and unwanted advice. I mean, what the hell? Uh, this is what diet culture promotes. And because it's such a restrictive mindset, it promotes dangerous kind of yo-yo results. This is Dr. Aaron Nitschke. This is Dr. Darian Parker. This is Decoding Diet Culture. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Decoding Diet Culture. Today's focus is on a couple of different things. One, social media and its influences, particularly related to diet culture and the hashtag fitfluence and the fitfluence consequences or what I call them. So I want to tackle those two things and they're kind of loaded subjects. So again, this is just a brief overview and something to keep in mind as you start evaluating the messages that, that you see and come in contact with. I would be remiss if I did not point out first the obvious advantages of social media. And, and I think it's important to, to point those out because just like everything has a positive side and a negative side, both sides need to be equally represented. So some of the advantages of social media, the connectedness, 
it closes that transactional distance. And by that, it's transactional distance is really the extent to which time and distance impact our communications and interactions in any kind of virtual experience. It's most often referenced in the instructional design world, but it's totally applicable in this sense as we look at how people start connecting with each other. And I even see it with my students. They would rather Instagram me than call me. And that's totally fine. Um, but it just, it closes that transactional distance. You are more available. The content creation, it allows you to engage with content and create content. And that's, that's pretty awesome because I don't know about you, but I have seen a ton of really great stuff on social media from awesome, awesome individuals, writers and um, public figures and celebrities and you know, just your everyday people. And, and I think that's really important. It also increases visibility. So if you are a business owner or you're a public figure or you have something going on that you wanna share with the world, social media is a super easy free platform that allows you to increase your, your visibility. So we can't deny that that certainly is a benefit. Some of the other advantages include education. There's a, there's a lot out there we can learn. I learn a ton from different professionals that I follow, like a lot of registered dietitians or a lot of behavioral psychologists or organizational psychologists. I learn a ton from them. And you can develop other skills. Like you think about the number of things that take place in a virtual environment now, this podcast for one, it's a virtual learning opportunity. Communication is another advantage. Uh, this goes back to connectedness too, but there's this sort of instantaneous connection that social media gives us, right? Instant messages, we can easily follow up, we can set plans, we can re reorganize plans, we can cancel plans, we can make appointments and dinner reservations and all of those types of things because of social media. And lastly, it, it does allow you to share your expertise. All of us are experts at something. Maybe you are a parent who raises kids full-time. Maybe you are a, an accountant and you have incredible insight into taxes, or maybe you're a health and exercise professional like me. Social media does allow us the ability to share that expertise and to teach others. And I think that is a really important thing. However, there are downsides to social media and a few of them, and I'm really just going to talk about specifically six. And, and really not uh, many more than that. So it's consuming. It takes time. It, it's like, have you ever gone to check Instagram and experience the time warp at, while you're doing the doom scroll? You know, you scroll for two minutes and all of a sudden 30 minutes is gone. And you're like, what just happened? Where did I go? It's super time consuming to check it, to engage with it and to create content. It also serves as a distraction. Like, let's be honest, there are just some messages that aren't useful, supportive, or valuable. Um, they're, they're negative, or they're full of falsehoods, which is really what the focus of this conversation is about, or they're just annoying. So that, that certainly is a disadvantage. Um, there's this element of inauthenticity as well. It, it makes it really difficult to determine what's real and what's not. And is somebody showing up as their authentic self, or are they filtered? Um, and, and that I think is part of the fitfluence world and the fit, the hashtag fit consequences. Next, 
is emotional disconnection. So in a virtual environment, yes, we have emojis and that's super awesome. But there, it can be really difficult to sense emotion in absence of using an emoji or being thoughtful with our words or saying something, how you phrase something in written language is going to come across much differently than if you were to say the same phrase in verbal communication. It's not always a safe space. You know, I think particularly as we have watched, um, you know, political ideologies collide, we've watched the development of the coronavirus, we've seen that social media isn't always a safe place. Um, and even before that, those two, I just bring those up because those are the two most relevant current events that we've dealt with, um, but it's not always a safe space. So there's a potential for attacks and criticism. And that that's one of the really hard things about social media. The very last one that I'm going to talk about and mention is the negative influence. And this is where the fitfluencer or the insta influencer comes in. There can be very demoting, demotivating messages that they share. So those six are kind of your, what I call your, your proceed with caution cones. And, and it's important to bring it up and ask the question, so, so why does this matter? And if I could hashtag it right now, I would hashtag because consequences. There are fitspiration consequences. And I'm just going to point out a couple of research studies that I'm familiar with. So in 2018, Smith and Bell discovered that exposure to content can result in increased body dissatisfaction. Another study uh, point in 2015, so three years earlier, health and fitness related content is largely aimed at women, but it has consequences for men. And guess what we don't talk about enough? the consequences for men. And that content is often driven by female celebrities and fitness models, which makes sense why it's being, why it's targeting women. More research has found that the, the hashtag fitspiration influencer content is perceived as setting the ideal representation of health and fitness. So for example, I use the images for goal setting. I could look like her. And this is just a very small sampling of the research that has looked at the influence of the type of content we're discussing. And I think three things are, are really important to point out here. The scariest aspect is that research indicates most users are younger. So we're talking teenagers and adolescents. That's scary. Then the second thing is there's this perceived connection between thinness and health, which I've mentioned in a couple of other episodes. There's this perception that they're somehow the same thing and they're not even close to the same thing. And, and one does not define the other. And the last one are, are the aspirations are super unrealistic. The whole, I could look like her. And the truth is in, in the health and fitness space, I could have two clients of the same demographic, the same fitness level, practicing the same nutritional habits doing the exact same workouts. And I promise you their results will look different. So that's something to keep in mind as we are all individual. And that's not to say there's not great content out there for certain like fast workouts, 20 minute hit this, that, and the other. There certainly are. Don't get me wrong. Um, there's a ton on YouTube. There's a ton of really great stuff that people can use if it gets them moving and they enjoy it. It's more, it more comes down to the messages that are being sent. And that I think is really frustrating for, for the consumers. So I want you to think about this for a second. 
And when we talk about influencing versus what is effective training and effective coaching. So think about these three things just briefly. Who is the instant influencer? Like when I say instant influencer, what images pop into your head? Do they promote a certain thing? What language do they use? Are there certain phrases, catchphrases, buzzwords? Are there things that they use that you're like, oh, huh. And it, may, it kind of stops you, stops you dead in your tracks to think about it. So think about those for just, just a second. All right, let's talk about the instant influencer. So these characteristics are pretty common across the board. So the instant influencer in the true sense of the instant influencer, they are largely uncredentialed, meaning they do not have a certification that could somehow be related to the state that they live in. Um, there are some states that don't have a statute requiring someone who practices nutrition to be a registered dietitian. That's terrifying. Check your state and see if it's one of those. Same thing with personal training. Personal training is not legally sort of defined necessarily. Um, there's, there's nothing out there that says a personal trainer has to have a degree in this. And that's kind of a weakness of the industry in and of itself. Hoping that will change in the future that we kind of up our game a little bit in the requirements. So largely uncredentialed. The other thing that drives me nuts about the Insta influencer fitspiration person is the scantily clad outfits, very questionable attire. So the booty shorts, the shirtless, muscle-bound, sweating, or, you know, sports bra-looking swimsuit people, that image says something, either consciously or unconsciously, to the person who is consuming it and being confronted with that message. You can get a real great workout, and you can lead a real great workout without being half-naked. And the other piece of that is, is that imagery and that clothing option is not culturally responsive. It's not culturally sensitive. So you could potentially be disenfranchising a large segment that you could otherwise recruit if you made a different decision in how you promoted yourself as a professional. But again, these people are not professionals. The other common characteristic is they're backed by an MLM. A lot of multi-level marketing supports these instant influencers because there are a lot of supplement-based companies. So watch that. Is it a pyramid scheme? If it sounds like a pyramid scheme, it's probably a pyramid scheme. Overly complex workout routines. And this is where I get a little soapboxy because having been a personal trainer and a health coach for nearly 20 years now and having had a number of clients and taught a number of higher education courses and led workshops and presentations, the basics still work. A routine does not need to be complex. It does not need to be flashy and it does not need to be extremely difficult for it to be effective. And the Fitfluencer likes to make it look like super, super hard. And they also like to underestimate the skill level it requires. So their beginner level isn't truly beginner. It's more intermediate. Their intermediate level, level is really more advanced. Their advanced level, really more for your elite athletes. So the overly complex routine, not necessary. The messages, which I talked about in a previous episode, and a couple of them, 
the messages lack science. And I think one example I gave in a previous podcast episode was about apple cider vinegar. A lot of hype. Apple cider vinegar could truly be considered a buzzword or a buzz phrase. The messages lack science. And I like to refer to it as quackery or flabby science, meaning there's science. And this Insta influencer has taken creative liberties with the outcome of whatever science they're looking at, whether that's cherry picking data, it's wrongly interpreting the outcome, or it's simply trying to infer causation, which really can't happen. And instead of saying this hypothesis was supported or it was not supported, both outcomes of a study are equally important to the body of literature. So all of this comes down to this diet culture mentality, which is really what, what they're, what they're rooted in. So, you know, the don't eat carbs eating after 8 PM is bad. This food is good. Or this food fits in the red category. And the list goes on, on, and on, on into perpetuity. Let's look at the instant influencer messaging, since that was a bullet point, bullet point characteristic about diet culture. So, so primarily there are six things that I've picked out that look at the characteristics of the instant influencer messaging. So proprietary is thrown around a lot, which just means shh, nobody knows what's in it. And the manufacturer is not bound to tell you what's in it because it's proprietary ingredients, proprietary information. Detox, that's always a part of the conversation. And what these professionals, quote unquote, and I say that lightly, fail to do is recognize that the human body is naturally a detox center. You've got three systems that take care of this for you. Your integumentary or your skin, that system, the liver and your kidneys. Essentially detox tea creates really expensive urine and it's not necessary. There's no tea out there that's going to flush you out. So that's one part of the message. I've mentioned this before, the weight or size oriented. There's a lot of conversation in instant influencing and in diet culture that it's about the size, like trying to make yourself smaller if you're speaking to like a feminine audience or make yourself bigger and more in charge and in control if you're a masculine, if you're speaking to the masculine side. Both, both are wrong thinking. The next message, part of the message is all about the image or the content. And in a previous episode, I talked about how the Insta influencer or the fit influencer has very shallow content. And, and that's because it's never educational. It's always about the image and the flashy image and the pretty image and the Photoshopped and filtered image. The primary goal, so the fifth one, the primary goal is selling. So Insta influencers, fit influencers, like to make something transactional, meaning their consumers are paying for a service. That is also true in the health and exercise space. We do sell a service, but we change it from transactional to relational. And that's the difference. These big, these big time influencers don't care about you. They don't care about the goals. They don't care about behavior change. They care about fast, instant results. That's weight or size oriented. So they are primarily focused on selling and recruiting, not building rapport and relationships. 
And one of the last messages that I've seen that's pretty consistent is that they're, they're all about the thin slash muscle bound somehow equates to happiness, which doesn't make any sense. So these types of messages always seem to paint that picture that if a person was just this much smaller or this much bigger, or my favorite non-science term that, that fit fluencers use is toned. There's no such thing as muscle tone. There's muscle definition, there's muscle atrophy, there's muscle strength, there's muscle, muscle weakness. There's no such thing as muscle tone. You will not hear a legitimate health and exercise professional use that term as a descriptor of somebody's physique. So those are the six characteristics that are part of the actual messaging of diet culture, those characteristics that you can kind of pick out if you are to pay attention. I want to bring up their workout designs because one, one of the, the characteristics that I mentioned about the instant influencer person themselves is overly complex routines, but I want to dive into that and share with you the six characteristics that relate to a, a person's, inst, if they're an instant influencer, their workout design. So the overly complex movements is the number one. So again, this means neglecting the basics and the value of mobility and stability training before making something complex. And not everything needs to be complex. The basics still work. The second characteristic, random design. I've gone through a few of the, the workouts and I'm like, what is the purpose? What goal is this connected to? There doesn't really seem to be a logic or, or order, or it's, it's really not thoughtfully programmed or connected to a specific goal. It just happens to look good because it's challenging and it's hard. And then people can say something also very diet culture-y. I burned a lot of calories. The third one, complex equipment combos. Again, the basics still work, but an effective workout doesn't require bands, balls, balance pads, dumbbells, cordless jump ropes, chin-up bars, all of that in one workout. So getting the job done with less is, is a way to consider the cost to the consumer and the time it takes to complete the workout. If you're having to move from this equipment to that equipment and, and back around, that takes a lot of time. The fourth one, fancy or flashy. I've used that word, th those two words several times. So these, these workouts often look really great when they're performed by somebody who is literally in top physical shape. It is not going to look that way for your average consumer. And they don't really fail or they don't really succeed in making sure that it's scaled to a certain level. So it looks fancy and it is flashy, but again, it looks fantastic when somebody else in top physical shape is, is doing that. The fifth one, it overpromises and under delivers. This is one of my favorite ones. So an example, an influencer demonstrating, we'll call it a 20 minute booty burn, another buzz, buzz phrase for you in booty shorts. And they, the message is, if you do this consistently in 21 days, you'll look like X. I assure you, people who are in top physical shape did not achieve those results without serious nutrition manipulation. And by doing a 20 minute 
work out three days a week. There's a difference between training for health and training for physique. And they often will overpromise and underdeliver. And the last one we've talked about before in all previous episodes is the fast results. This is probably the biggest key here. And I've mentioned this before, no two clients are going to respond this, to the same workout or the same nutritional guidance the same way. It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's just not true. And, and truthfully, it's not about speed of achieving results. It's about consistency because that is how you get to the sustainability factor. The best program is one a person enjoys and it's going to perform consistently. And these workout design, designs aren't often focused on that. So to sum up, the influencer tends to focus on that selling component, delivering content that's very image heavy. It does continue to support those socially prescribed standards and the off-brand workout designs, meaning all of those those six characteristics I just talked about in the Insta workout design. So what can happen if we take all this together and add it up? The outcome is that it can generate feelings of imposter syndrome for consumers and professionals in my field, believe it or not. So one of the, the thoughts I want to leave you with in this episode, because I think it's just a hell of a quote, and it's by Jonathan Goodman, who is the founder of the PTDC, and he's an author. He's from Canada. Um, I highly recommend looking up his work. Um, it, I like the authentic nature and realism in his words. And he says, despite what Instagram will lead you to believe, when it comes to fitness, the most advanced thing you can do is the basics consistently. So this right here is the truth. Performing the basics consistently while also being mindful of NEAT, so moving more throughout the day versus being sedentary, nutrition, sleep, stress management, social wellness, all of that, that is what will advance physical fitness and overall wellness. Highly recommend checking out Jonathan Goodman's work. He's got a lot of really great perspectives on diet culture, on fit fluencing, on fitspiration and fit consequences. So I hope that you found this discussion helpful and I hope that you will be prepared to go out there and have this conversation with your friends, your family, and just engage in it because that's one way we raise that level of awareness is just by talking about it and being brave enough to talk about it.